Hey, good morning, Cap City Church. Hey, it's so good to see everybody's faces this morning. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand on your feet. We're going to talk about some announcements after the service today, but we have OCU Worship Collective. For those of you who don't know, OCU is Ohio Christian University located in Circleville, Ohio, and we have uh, six wonderful uh, students with us. Yeah, go ahead and give them a hand. That's all right. Uh, they're going to lead us in worship this morning. I just want to remind you, in case you didn't know this about me, but I have learned over the years that the most important thing you can do to make a group that's singing and lead us in worship feel welcome is to sing and to worship. Is that right, gang? Absolutely. Yeah. So feel free, take freedom, enjoy the ministry that they're bringing to us today, and understand and be thankful for the fact that this is these are the types of students that our uh, university is putting out and preparing for ministry and to be Christians in the work world. So we're so excited about the fact that they're here ministering to us today. So let me open us in prayer, and then we'll uh, just begin our time of worship together. Father, we come today with humble expectation that you are more than able to do great things. Lord, that you are help us, help, able to help us to change in the places that we believe it's not possible anymore to change. That you can bring transformation in those places of hurting and addiction, in places that we just don't see a way out. And now, God, I pray as we wrap up our series this week on resting, God, that we would rest in you. God, that during this time of worship, that people would lift their hearts as a recognition that you alone are the one that can be trusted. God, that we can obey you if you've told us to go somewhere, that we can move in faith and you're going to do great and mighty things, if for no other reason but for the sake and the glory of your name. So help us this morning, God, to, have, to offer up authentic worship, to speak from hearts that are true and full of love and a desire to glorify you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So like Jonathan said, we are Worship Collective. Um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce each one of us really quick. My name is Olivia. We have Holly here on vocals, uh, Grace on acoustic and vocals. Uh, we have Daniel on the bass, Josh on drums. We have Carissa shredding it up on electric. Uh, we're so glad to be here with you guys. This first song we're going to do is a bit of a throwback, but it's one of my favorites. Um, this song is called Our God. Um, so go ahead and worship with us.
So I was raised in a Christian home, and something that was pounded in my head at a young age was that God is so great. And it was like, God is great, God is good. And I always knew that and I always believed that. And to me, that's something that is kind of the most believable attribute of God is that he's great, right? Because if we believe in a God of the universe, we automatically believe that he's great because he's the God of the universe. So it's one of the things that it just makes sense and it, it connects. Um, but what I've realized in my own walk is that to believe that God is great is one thing, but to apply that to your own life is a completely different thing. Because if I truly believe that the God of the universe loves me and cares for me and is working in my life, then ultimately I shouldn't be so worried about the future. I shouldn't be so devastated by the situation of the world. I shouldn't be looking around at other things and finding problems in the world. I should be trusting God and looking to him um, and getting my hope from him. And a story in the Bible that has such a significant part in my testimony is the story of Job. And what I love about the story of Job is that after Job has gone through some of the most horrendous things in his life and lost so much and he's so he's suffering so greatly, um, and when he goes and questions God, he's like, God, why would you let this happen? He's asking you know, all these questions. God doesn't feel any need to answer his questions or be like, you know, Job, here's why this happened. Like, actually, it was all for a purpose. It was all in my plan. Instead, he just gives Job a partial revelation of himself. Because ultimately, that was enough for Job. That was more than enough for Job. Because when we become aware of who God is and how great he is, and how powerful and incredible he is, then we don't need all the answers because we trust in him. And we're able to know that he's working and that he's powerful and that he's moving. Um, so this next song is just a song of praise. It's acknowledging that the God of the universe truly is so selfless and cares for us and wants to be um, a part of our lives and working in our lives. So as we sing this, I encourage you just to acknowledge who God is, talk to him, whatever is on your mind, whatever has been frustrating you, whatever you're worried about, um, I encourage you just to surrender that to God and just praise him for how truly great he is and for how much he loves us. Such an awesome God, so mighty, so holy, so wonderful. Such an awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so
part says day and night night and day let incense arise and incense is a sacrifice we're, we're lifting that up and day and night that we should be sacrificing something we should be sacrificing ourselves to the Lord um, it says to take up your cross and to follow after him and that's a sacrifice to have to crucify the flesh daily that's a sacrifice that you have to take up every day so just sing this with us as we as we head into this night day and
we're so thankful for you. Thank you, God, for your presence in this place, God. Thank you for meeting us right where we are, God. You are so good. We're so thankful for you, God. You are worthy of everything we could ever give you, God. You're worthy of all of our praise. Every breath, God, you deserve everything that we have. I thank you, God, for this time of worship. I thank you, God, for meeting us here. I pray that you would be with our speaker as he brings us um, the word. God, I pray that you would tune our hearts to hear what you would want to say to us through him. In your name, amen. Good morning, Capital City Church. How's everybody doing today? Woo. First mistake. See how this goes. Are we okay? This is supposed to go smoother. Had a plan. Didn't stick with the plan. Well, I did stick with the plan. It just didn't work out so far. We'll, we'll, we'll keep going with it. Okay. So here's the deal. If any of you are afraid of heights, you're probably getting nervous at this point, right? So we're going to be in Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. All right? We're going somewhere with this, so don't worry. And I know what you're probably thinking. He's going to fall. And that is a very good possibility. Um, but my father always told me, if you're ever on a ladder, you should always have people around. In case you fall, they can call the emergency room. <laughs> so I, I hope one of you would at least do me that service. But we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3, and it says this. My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of your days and the years of your life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will bring healing to your body and refreshment for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You might be asking, why is he standing on a ladder? As I was thinking about this, we are finishing our series on rest. And we've gone through and we've, we've listed those different aspects of rest and and we come to the end and what rest really relies on is trust when you can trust something you can rest in something and it's funny because we trust a lot of different things right like for instance this ladder we buy a ladder and we've never seen how it was made we see a sticker on it that might say it supports 250 pounds or or 300 pounds and and we buy a ladder and we think it's sturdy, it'll hold us. But then we've all seen those people who have climbed up on ladders they had no business climbing on, right? Like it's wood, it's rotted, it shouldn't be climbed on. And yet we place our trust in these inanimate objects and we, we essentially put our life on the line, right? Like if I go high enough, I'm at risk of serious injury. And yet we climb all the way to the top. And some of us even get so bold as to get on the top step that specifically says danger 
Do not stand and or sit. Who's ever stand, stand, stood? Stand, stood. Who's ever stood or sat on that top step? We've all been there. If you've ever climbed a ladder, you've done it. It's that one thing that you're trying to change and you're like, I'll only be on it for a second. But it amazes me about humanity that we place our trust in these inanimate objects. And yet when it comes to placing our trust in the creator of all things, we just can't release control to him. And it keeps us up at night. And it leaves us exhausted. Don't worry, I'm getting down off the ladder. So if you had 911 on your speed dial, you can turn it off. But as I got to thinking, I also thought of another great example for trust. Skydiving. Any of you ever been skydiving? Anybody? Skydiving. It's a fascinating thing. I've always wanted to skydive, but then as we get older, we start playing life safe, right? And we start saying things like, well, I got kids now. Like, what if it doesn't go well? But it's interesting because when we go skydiving for the first time, we go tandem, which means we go with somebody. Now, I initially picked this picture because I just thought it was a funny picture. Guy looks like he's having a good time. But the, the interesting thing about this picture is this is Kevin Myers, and he's 102 years old. And he's skydiving for the first time, and, and he said, I, I've always wanted to do it. But you see, when he's jumping out, he is placing all his hope and all his faith and all his trust in the guy connected to him. Because the guy connected to him is a professional skydiving instructor. He has had to go through a minimum of 25 skydiving adventures tandem with someone connected to him. Then he had to go through another 500 skydiving adventures by himself. He had to be educated and he had to learn how to do everything properly and navigate the wind and, and learn to fold the parachute. He is educated and, and he's placing his trust in this professional, in, in this wisdom, right? He's not placing his trust in somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. He's placing his trust in wisdom. And wisdom helps us to see the bigger picture, and it allows us to give deeper trust. And what's really kind of neat about this is once that chute goes off, your heart's racing, but that first time you're resting in the fact that you can trust the person you're connected to. And you kind of just get to enjoy the ride, or so I've been told. Still terrified, don't know if I'll do it, would love to do it. My wife would probably be like, you have two kids, and if I'm a single mom, I'll kill you. Again. But, but we place our trust in all these things. But we struggle to place our trust in the one who created us. And that baffles me. And so we're going to be diving into this idea. And I want you to understand this. What I'm asking today is I'm not asking you to understand God. I'm not asking you to understand everything I'm saying. What I'm doing is I'm asking you to hear him today. I'm asking you to trust him today. I'm asking you to obey him today, to believe him today, and most importantly, I'm asking you to rest in God today. And so we're going to go through these four big ideas in this passage, but in this passage, 
God or, or Solomon speaks, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, right? Even Google agrees that Solomon is the wisest person to ever live. So something has to be done with this idea that even the world acknowledges the guy who wrote Proverbs to be the wisest person to ever live. So we should probably take some advice from his wisdom. But in this passage, I, I see four things that are addressed, and maybe there's four things that you've never really considered, but it addresses our mental health, it addresses our reputation, it addresses our physical health, and it addresses our wealth and what we do with those things, how we trust God with those things. It's interesting because this is such a great chapter in the Bible, and the only thing that we ever remember is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Well, I'm going to give some context to all your ways, right? Because we say it. We say it until push comes to shove and we begin to take back control and say, Ah, I need my hands on that one. I can't completely relinquish that to God. That's just a little too big for me to surrender control. The problem is the longer we hold control of, of those things, the more sleep we lose at night. And so we're going to talk about those. First off, I want you to say this, and I want you to say it with me. I can trust God with my mental health. You can trust him with that. You see, we lay in bed at night, and we say, my anxiety won't let me rest. Here's the fa fascinating thing about this. God has a word for all of it. So if you're laying in bed at night, and you say, man, my anxiety is so bad, my depression's bad, I, I just can't rest. God has a word for that. And it's all found in Scripture. Oftentimes when I find myself anxious or depressed or fearful and I'm laying in bed, I will get up and I will just open the Bible and I will read until my spirit is calm. And then I'll go back to bed. God has a word for you today. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 says this, My son, do not forget te the teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and the years of life and peace will be added to you. God deeply cares about your peace of mind. He has given commands and he has given instructions. And people say, well, I don't like all the commands and the rules in the Bible. What if I told you that they were there so that you could have better peace of mind about how you live? He doesn't want you carrying around the stress. He doesn't want you carrying around the anxiety and the depression. He doesn't, he doesn't want that for you. And so he wrote a book and he said, this is how you should live. And if you live this way, you won't have as much stress. You won't have as much anxiety. You won't have as much depression. All you got to do is follow the commands. And, and the problem is, most of you are probably thinking the Ten Commandments, right? And you're like, well, none of them say anything about anxiety. Hold on. He has, he has so many more than just those Ten Commands, right? He has instructions on how to live our lives. And so Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this, and maybe you're familiar with this. If you've struggled with anxiety, maybe you've said this. But I really want to dive into this for a moment. It says, do not be anxious about anything. That's his command. So when my anxiety flares up, 
I go back to his command, his word, and it says, do not be anxious about anything. All right, I can't be anxious about it. But how? But how do I keep this anxious heart from beating within me? How do I calm it down? In fact, as I was preparing this sermon, probably within the last half hour, my hands have gotten jittery, and I'm just nervous, and I don't normally get nervous when I preach. And so during worship, I just got on my knees before God, and I said, calm my anxious heart. Because the word of the Lord says, but in everything, by prayer and pleading, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. When's the last time your heart got anxious, and the, how you solved it was you got on your knees before God and says, Lord, I'm going to stay here until the anxiety passes. I'm going to stay here until the depression passes. I'm going to stay here before you. And then while you're on your knees praying to an almighty God who created you, you begin to go through all the things you're thankful for. As I prayed before service today while the praise team was worshiping, which, by the way, fantastic job. Can we give them a round of applause? I sat there on my knees and I began to pray and I said, Lord, I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for a good children's ministry that my children can go to. And I just began thanking God for all the things that he's done for me. You see, there's a method to cure anxiety and depression and stress. And that is found in the pleading of God's people and the thankfulness of their heart. You don't need more medication. You need more prayer. You need more surrender. You need more love. You need more thankfulness in your life. You need to get real before an almighty God because this is what it says. If you do this, if in those moments of fear and depression and anxiety, if you get before God in prayer and you get before him with a thankful heart, this is what the word of the Lord says. And the peace of God which passes all understanding and all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, I understand that there might be some people out there who need medication. But the hard reality is, it's the easy fix. And it's harder to work through it and to process it and wrestle with it. And we want the quick and easy fix. I'm not saying there's not a place for medicine in the Christian life. What I'm saying is it shouldn't be our first option. It should be our last resort after we've gotten on our knees before God and after we've surrendered everything to him and after we've poured out with a thankful heart our prayers and our petitions. Here's, I, this is just who I am. I still have to believe that the word of the Lord works. And when the word of the Lord says that the cure to anxiety is prayer and thankfulness, and that brings about peace, I have to believe the word of the Lord. I have to believe him over the doctors and the naysayers and everything else. I have to believe the word of the Lord or I'm not really trusting in Jesus in all my ways. And the word of the Lord says that he will give peace that passes all understanding. Once again, I'm not asking you to understand it. 
I'm asking you to obey it and to apply it and to trust it and to rest in it. And you say, Jacob, it's not that easy. I know it's not that easy. The last month of my life, uh, except for the last couple weeks leading up to it, my wife can attest for this. Fear, anxiety, depression. I don't even know where it's coming from. But I hold to the word of the Lord that as I lay in my bed at night, fearful and anxious, the word of the Lord says, but joy comes in the morning. And so I hold on to the word of the Lord, and I speak the name of Jesus over my life, and I say, Lord, I'm anxious, but I need Jesus. I'm depressed, but I need Jesus. I'm fearful, but I want Jesus, and I need Jesus. And the peace passes all understanding. It might take time. It might take a day. It might take an hour. It might take a week. It might take a month. But I keep holding to the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, We destroy every argument and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. The world would tell you that the knowledge of God isn't good enough and you need more. I don't buy that. He is enough. The word of the Lord is enough. So, so we tear down these arguments and it says, And we are taking every thought captive. If it comes in my mind... I send it out in the name of Jesus and say, you don't live here. You don't belong here. You see, we need to teach people how to take control of their thought life, not medicate their thought life. We need to work with counseling and helping people find a healthy way of managing their thought life. And the word of the Lord is filled with it. Why? So that at the, end of the, at the end of the day, you can rest easy knowing that God can be trusted with your mental health. He can be trusted with your mental health. I can trust God with my reputation. Can you say it with me? I can trust God with my reputation. And you say, well, I don't care about my reputation. Everybody cares about their reputation. It's why we get offended one way or another if we lose four or five friends on social media. You know, I heard an interesting fact last night. We were at Winter Jam with the teenagers. They say the average anxiety that the teenager is facing today is that of a psychiatric patient from the 1950s. It's because they are addicted to the dopamine, and the dopamine is the chemical that is released when you get approval. And so every time they post something on social media and someone likes it, their body releases dopamine. It's a good feeling. That's why we're addicted to social media. But what it's doing is it's increasing our need for dopamine and raising our levels of anxiety to where we are struggling in the day-to-day -day life. Be why? All, all of this, what we ask this, because we care about our reputation. We care what people think about us. We lay in bed at night and we go, I can't rest because I'm worried about what people think of me. But once again, God's got a word for that. Proverbs 3, 3 through 4, and I'll reiterate this. Do not let kindness and truth 
Some translations say loyalty leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute with the sight of God and man. God cares about your reputation. And that's why he gives you instructions like be kind to one another. Love one another. Be loyal and truthful with one another. He cares about you being a good person. Why does he want you to be a good person? Because he wants you to have a good reputation. He cares about your reputation. You may not care about it, but he cares about it. 1 Peter 2, 12 says this, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, or the lost, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God on the day of his visitation. He wants your relationships to be excellent. He wants your reputation to be excellent. So that we don't have to stress over what others think of us. Because we know that we have lived, we have lived up to the godly standard that he has called us to. We have treated people right to the best of our ability. So that even when they slander us, we can go back to the word of the Lord and go, Lord, I've done my best. I, I, I've said this to my wife lately, and it's something that the Lord's been laying on my heart. I want to get to the end of my life, and we all talk about this. We all say, you know, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But I, I, something that God's laid on my heart is I also want to hear this. You have done all that I have required of you. At the end of my life, I want to look and know that through my life and through my reputation, I have done all that the Lord has required of me. Sometimes maybe that's glamorous, maybe other times it's not. I thought last week as, as Josiah and I were shoveling the snow, I texted him and I said, the Lord wants us to do all that he requires of us. And I texted him and I said, and this week he required that we would shovel snow. And I, I'm going to be honest, I was as happy last week shoveling snow as I was preaching. Because it's what the, re, because it's what the Lord required of me that day. But he has a word for our reputation and he cares about our reputation. I had a teen this week text me and said, how can I live out my faith more? I want to do more for God. I, I really want to put my faith into action. And, and I basically, I gave them tips on how to work on their reputation. I said, if you see somebody who doesn't have a friend, be their friend. I said, scripture says that, you know, we will take account for every idle word. And not to have uh, vulgar language in our discussions. And I said, so watch your mouth around the people at school. Make sure you have a good, clean conversation. All I was really doing for this young person was giving them advice on how to improve their reputation with other people. And it all came from the word of the Lord. Because God cares about your reputation. And when you are living out your life glorifying to God, you are in alignment and you are at peace with God and man. And when you are at peace with God and man and you've placed your reputation in his capable hands, you can rest easy at night. Because I've treated my neighbor with respect. How many times do we go to bed at night and we can't rest because we, set, we, we think to ourselves, 
oh, I shouldn't have said that to them. I feel bad that I did that. That's why the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. But you need to make a right relationship and and you need to restore the relationship, maybe through apology. God cares about your reputation. And because he cares about your reputation, you can rest easy knowing our reputation is glorifying to God. You can rest easy when your reputation is glorifying to God. And so I I would encourage you, build healthy relationships and develop a healthy reputation. And here's the good part. There's a word for that. Nothing you are searching for today cannot be found in the word of the Lord. And so now we get to the middle of the conversation and we get to the the part that everybody knows, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. You see, we read it, but I feel like the author kind of wedged this between the middle of everything and said, do you really trust me with everything? I've went over a few things, but now I'm going to go into some more, and I need you to keep trusting. It's a reminder that God is not asking you to understand it. He is asking you to hear him to trust him, to obey him, to believe him, and to rest in him. That's what he is asking of us. It is a challenge that begs the question, do I really trust God? Do I really trust God with my mental health? Do I really trust God with my reputation? Do I really trust God with my physical health? Do I really trust God with my wealth? Do I really trust God? So let's go to the next one. I can trust God with my physical health. I want you to say it with me. I can trust God with my physical health. I can trust him. Here's the fun. I can't rest because my heartburn is keeping me up at night. Maybe you should have not had the chili dog and the large Coke before bed. But it was good. Right, and you're going to pay price for it, and what you're going to do is instead of changing your eating habits, you're going to chew some Tums, and you're going to do it again tomorrow night. And then wonder why you have to put your sleep apnea machine on and you can't sleep. And yet, God cares so much about your physical health that he writes whole chapters devoted to eating right. And living a healthy life. Proverbs 3, 7 through 8 says this. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will bring healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Proverbs 23, 20 through 21 says this. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine. Or... With gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will close, uh, will clothe one with rags. What happens when you drink too much? You get drowsy, right? What happens when you eat too much? 
You get drowsy, right? It's, it's Thanksgiving dinner. You eat all the mashed potatoes, the turkey, the noodles, and then you go pass out for two hours in the recliner, and then at 5 o'clock you do it all over again. We all know what we're talking about, right? But, but by the grace of God, like, it confuses me because I've seen so many pastors rail against alcohol and then go eat way too much at a potluck. And both will equally impact your life, especially when heart disease is one of the top killers in America. We need to have these tough and real conversations because God laid out, God created you and he laid out a way for your body to operate. And so we can say that we trust God with our physical health, but he puts and builds in discipline so that we can live to the fullness of our calling. We've all seen it, right? We've seen people throw their life away over alcohol. But how many good pastors and leaders have cut their ministry short because of their health? They didn't exercise. They didn't eat right. And and here's the thing. I want to be climbing on ladders in my ministry when I'm 75 years old. I never want my ministry, I never want my calling to be hindered by my health. And the Lord lays out disciplines for healthiness. And 1 Corinthians, and this is the heart of it, right? 1 Corinthians 6.12. All things are lawful for me. You can eat whatever you want. You can drink whatever you want. All things are lawful for you. But not all things are profitable. The Lord has a word for it. All things are lawful for me. But I will not be mastered by anything. The Christian life, the physical life, is a life of discipline. You want to live long, you eat right, you exercise, you avoid uh, addictions that, that will destroy you. And you live your life to the fullest. Why? So that you can bring glory to God and so that you can rest easy at night knowing that you honored God with your life. You can rest easy knowing that God is in control of your physical health. But we still, we we can't just read it. We have to apply it. God created your body and ordained how it works best. But all forms of health require daily discipline. But God has given you guidelines for health in his word, like what to eat, what not to eat, how much you should eat, and perhaps when you should not eat at all. When you should drink and when you should not drink. Everything is there. Why? So you can live your healthiest life. Why? So he can be ready to use you whenever he needs you. May it be young or old. God cares. You can rest easy knowing that God can be trusted with your physical health. Last one. I can trust God with my wealth. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Uh, interesting. Um, I, I just I find this one so interesting. 3, 5, and 6. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. And yet, I bet no one can quote Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Because it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I can't rest, Jacob, because I'm worried about the bills that need to be paid. Did you know the word of the Lord teaches you how to manage your money? And the first thing he says to do is give it back to him. That's what he calls and requires of us. But here's the interesting thing. In this passage, he requires and he asks us to give our first fruits. He asks that we would give our best. That's what he asks of us. But this is the beauty. Why do we we honor and why do we bring him glory? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Every time the Lord asks you to give, he offers a blessing. I don't know what to do with promises like that. I can't rest because my bills aren't pay. Well, the Bible says that the the lender or or the borrower is slave to the lender. Maybe you need to take a look at your budget. It says, I I heard a statistic the other day that less than 10% of our local community has 10% of uh, expendable money in their budget. They, they literally have spent more than they make. And, and that's, that's what we're created to do in our society. It's why we give 18-year-olds credit cards. They want us to spend more than we make. You don't have to wait. You can just buy it now. But God doesn't want you to stress over money. And so the first thing he does is he says, if you can trust me with it, I'll take care of it. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to trust me with it. I want to ask for a tithe. That's 10%. That's your first. That's your best. Will you trust me with it? And I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, oh, the pastor's asking for, for an offering or the pastor's asking for money. No, I'm not. I'm asking you to trust God. I'm asking you to trust God so that you can live a more fulfilled life in Him. I, I, this is my favorite passage. You know, you talk about favorite passages of Scripture. I'm just going to list my favorite passage of Scripture. Malachi 3.10, or th- uh, 3.9-10. It says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Oh, I'm sorry. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And put me to the test now in this, says the Lord of heaven's armies. It's the only place in scripture where we're told to test God. Did you know that? It just, it, 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 it shakes me to my core. It humbles me. It was a precedent that me and my wife set eight years ago when we got married. We will give our tithe to the Lord. We will trust the Lord with our finances. We've never gone without. In fact, he's done exactly what his word said. He has blessed us with an outpouring 
I don't want you to give your tithe because of the church. I want you to give your tithe because I want you to grow and experience the fullness of who God is. This, I was, I was reading this this morning as I was going through my sermon. And it really just, I had never read it quite like this. It says, put me to the test now, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And see if I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. We, we used to sing that worship song, open the floodgates of heaven. I can't sing, so if that was good or bad, I have no idea. Pretty sure I'm tone deaf, I, I don't know. But we sing that song, right? Open the floodgates of heaven. Well, what if that meant you gave your tithe? Oh, about trust people more than anything what i want you to experience is i want you to experience god opening the windows of heaven i didn't say it the word of the lord said it the word of the lord says put me to the test trust me with your money and i will open the windows of heaven on you i can't trust him jacob i can't trust him with If that's what the word of the Lord says, and you say, Jacob, I can't trust him with that, then don't be expecting the floodgates of heaven to pour out on you. I, I got to take the word of the Lord for what it is. If I trust him, if I trust him, he will pour out blessing on me. But if I try to hold on to everything, I'll lose it. It's not just money. It's our mental health. It's our reputation. It's our physical health. The more we hold on to something in this life, the more we will lose it. That's why we have to surrender it to God. He is the maker of all things. He ordained all things. He knows how things work best. These are promises from the word of the Lord. And I want to share those promises with you. But there comes a moment where you have to kind of humble yourself and say, I, I don't understand it. You will never understand it. I've never met someone who experienced a miracle in their life and goes, yep, I understood that one. That's why they call it a miracle. The problem is we've got comfortable. Because miracles and trust always appear a little dangerous to those who don't have faith. But we've got to place our trust in him. You can rest easy knowing that God can be trusted with your wealth. I can rest easy because God can be trusted. I just, I, I just want you to, to say that for, for a moment. I can rest easy. God can be trusted. What if 
every time you took a step of faith, you just said that. I can rest easy in this step of faith because God can be trusted. I can rest easy in this because God can be trusted. I can rest easy in this because God can be trusted. Laid down at night, the anxious thoughts cloud your mind, and you say, nope, I can rest easy, God can be trusted. I can rest easy, God can be trusted. I can rest easy, God can be trusted. God is not asking you to understand him. He is asking you to hear him, to trust him, to obey him, to believe him, and to rest in him. He put this book together to teach us how to live and how to treat one another so that we could rest easy in this life. I want to ask the praise team to come. And they're on close with a song called King of My Heart. And essentially what we're proclaiming in this song is that, that, that Jesus is the king of our hearts. Do you trust the king? And I'll take it one step further. Do you trust the creator of all things? I can trust him because he's so much bigger than me. I'm going to ask that you'll stand with us as we worship. And I don't know where you're struggling today. Maybe you're struggling to trust God today with mental health. Maybe you, you struggle with anxiety and fear and depression. That's okay. Bring it to an altar of prayer because we want to pray with you. We want to speak the name of Jesus over you. We believe that there is power in the name of Jesus to heal all wounds. Maybe you're struggling today and you say, Jacob, I'm struggling with my reputation. I've burnt some bridges and I've, I've broken some relationships and I really want to restore those relationships. You can trust Jesus with your reputation. Maybe you're, you're struggling with some sort of physical ailment or, or you're trying to get healthier for your children or your grandchildren and you say, I, I just want to get back on the right track and I, I want to take care of my body so I can grow old with my grandchildren. Where I can be there for my kids. Maybe you're trusting God or, or need to trust God with your wealth. We want to pray for you. God cares about all these things. He wrote a whole book on how to live so that you might live your fullest life. But be assured, he wants you to lay down to bed every night and he wants you to rest soundly knowing that he can be trusted. Will you trust him today? Bow your heads. Dear Lord God, as we sing this final song, I just pray, Lord God, that people would place their trust in the mighty name of Jesus. Maybe there is someone here today who has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord God. You can be trusted with our salvation, Lord God. And I pray that that person would come to you. But wherever we struggle with areas of trust, Lord God, I pray that we would get to a point where we can truly say in all our ways that we acknowledge him. In the name of Jesus, amen.
out of the seat for a minute. I was reading this this week. A, a denominational leader said that sometimes we struggle with the failure of nerve, to have the nerve to do something, the nerve to say something. Status quo is a lot easier. But that's not the job of a leader. A leader's job is to challenge the status quo, to change the status quo. I don't know about you, but I walk into this place every week looking for answers. Not because I haven't found some of them, not because the Word of God doesn't provide it, but because I believe God wants to continue to give answers to the very real things that you're facing today. Jacob talks a lot about trust, and I said all that to say I'm, I'm thankful for Jacob's nerve today to bring what the Word of the Lord says. You should never want to sit under preaching that allows you to be comfortable with the status quo. But as they, as they sang in worship this morning, I was looking, I came this morning with question I didn't know I had and found an answer I didn't know was there. This week I found myself saying, God, I'm not worthy. But as we sang that worship set this morning, we sang, you are worthy of it all. We get lost, really the biggest issue is you have too much trust in yourself. It's control. Jacob did such a good job with that this morning. In every area, you're trying to do the thing that you can to control the situation. You want to see what you want to do, what you can see and feel and touch. But it's time for the people of God to understand that it's all about Him. It's all about returning glory to Him, that He's the one that is worthy. But we can't say that He's worthy if we hold trust in Him every single area of your life. Go home and reread Proverbs chapter 3. Like Jacob said, there's a whole lot more than a couple verses in the middle that are that we learned in Sunday school. So uh, thank you for being here today. Thank you uh, for welcoming this group. Give them another hand. I think they did a wonderful job. I, I just have a, I have a couple, couple things I'm going to share with you on the way out. Um, Uh, I was going to say, and if it's okay, I'm going to I'm going to ask permission. I should I should ask permission to sing early, but I think you guys could praise us out after we're done, right? Like you could find some way to sing us out. Like that'd be all right. Okay. Um, so here's what I've got for you. You grabbed a bulletin. Um, you know some of this stuff, but there's a couple things I want to emphasize. Wednesday, Fe- February 8th, which is not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. Um, if you come early, there's going to be pizza. So if you're involved in Wednesday night activities feeding you. Um, we're going to feed you good. We'll have plenty of food. We'll have plenty of dessert. That's for all of us that normally come on Wednesday night and for all of you that don't normally come on Wednesday night. What a week to try out Wednesday night. So there's pizza and cupcakes involved. I don't know what to say about pizza and cupcakes after Jacob uh, just preached. Maybe it's balance and moderation. Maybe it'll save us some money on that stuff. I don't know. Uh, but also, I, uh, we, I do need to just remind you about a couple things surrounding your offering and your giving. We're not passing plates or buckets anymore. So there are one, two, three, four. Um, we have four uh, receptacles, if you will, hanging by the doors that you can drop uh, your offering into. Of course, you can continue to give online or through the Cash App. Uh, that, that works as well. Um, also, your giving statements. If you gave it all to uh, Cap City Church or Hope Central, for those of you uh, 
that gave that way. All of the giving statements are at the Welcome Center. Please, 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 if you need those, want those, if you don't want it, take it, throw it away so we don't have to mail it to you. Um, but that reduces some work for us administratively, um, and it means you get it in your hand quickly. So please see the Welcome Center and grab uh, your giving report after the service today. And if not, we'll get those in the mail this week. Finally, I know it sounds like money, 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 but um, that was all good news. We're making it easier for you to give your offering. We have something you can use as a tax write-off, and then you get to hang out with the kids, all right? So we're going to have kids at the doors, boys and girls. We do this once a quarter. They collect what we call our Kid Power Offering for Missions, and it is a competition, and there are boys and there are girls, and I have three boys, so you have no doubt who I'm cheering for and whose buckets you should put that money in. I can say that also because the girls won first quarter. So, uh, But uh, you can support missions by seeing the kids. It's such a great time. Um, and if no other reason, give because uh, you feel guilty for not giving to a, a cute little kid on your way out. I love you guys. I'm so thankful that we get to serve as your pastors, me and Allison and, and this whole staff and this whole team. Uh, thankful for all the work that they do. Thankful for the word that Jacob said, whatever he requires of you now, that's what you should be doing. If you can't figure that out, figure out where you can trust him more. All right? Let me pray for you. We'll let them sing us out. Go and have a good week. Father, we thank you um, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of it all. And God, so that the more that we die to self, the more that we understand it's not about us, it's not about our control, the easier it will become to turn trust over to you. Help us, Lord, as Jacob challenged us. Help us to look at every compartment. God, I find in my life it's so easy to point the finger at people that aren't trusting you in the areas that I can trust easy in. Lord, will you help me just to forget about those other people and to examine my own life and see where I need to grow in my faith, where I need to increase my trust in you so that I can be everything that you've wanted me to be so that you do say good, uh, well done, you good and faithful servant. Lord, thank you for this people. Help them to be salt and light as they go out this week and help us to trust you. In Jesus.